a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vaktel, and the host of this brief guide to Melbourne. Tom Gleisner is a man of many titles, writer, director, producer, comedian, talk show host, actor. He's one of the country's most prolific and influential screenwriters. If you name the iconic Aussie film or TV series, he probably wrote it or directed it or produced it, perhaps all three. And now he can add writer of musicals to that list with his latest project, Bloom, which is a new musical showing at the Arts Centre. Tom, welcome. Gotcha, thank you. Nice to be here. Bloom is your latest project. It's a musical satire for Melbourne Theatre Company and it's one that's set in an aged care facility. You've written films before, The Castle, The Dish, you've written TV shows, Frontline, Utopia, All Aussie Adventures, one of my favourite. Was writing a musical more challenging or easier than you expected? It was a very steep learning curve because, uh, as you say, I've never done one before. Uh, So obviously I know how to structure a script uh, for film and television, but uh, I had to learn a few hard lessons with the musical. I think the original script had a cast somewhere north of about 40 people, which is just untenable on stage. It may have had a car chase in it at one point too. So we had to kind of strip it back and bring it down to a cast of 10, which is what you'll see if you go and see the show. Um, But I love musicals. It's it's a form that I I really genuinely uh, enjoy. And I I think the world's divided into two. You either love musicals or you don't get them. So before we go any further, which side of the fence do you Am I allowed to say that I like some? Mm, yeah, it's fair enough. You know, I feel like a Mel Brooks musical, yep. that's up my alley. Sure. Loved Rent. Mm, okay. But, but sometimes there are other musicals where I think, I'd love you to just have a chat right yep, now. just keep going. Rather than sing it. Yeah, and, and I understand that people go, I just don't get it. They're talking and then suddenly they're singing. It doesn't make sense. And that's the, that is the beauty of it. It doesn't make sense, but gosh, it packs a punch. So without giving away any spoilers, Introduce us to Bloom sure. and some of its characters. For sure. Well, the idea came about when I read an article uh, about a, a, a nursing home in the Netherlands that was offering local university students free board in return for them helping out as carers. So obviously, it was a cost-cutting uh, exercise. And I thought at the time, that's that's going to be the perfect basis for either a musical or a royal commission. And I figured I'll leave the uh, the latter to uh, more experienced hands. And I decided to turn it into a musical. So indeed, Bloom is about a, a young boy called Finn Bailey who finds himself homeless and uh, desperate for somewhere to stay and takes up the offer of, uh, of a room at the Pine Grove Aged Care Facility in return for helping out with the residents. He arrives reluctantly and, and takes a while to sort of uh, warm to the uh, his new environs and the people around him, like like a lot of very young people, we, you know, we, uh, they rather, because I'm not young, um, <laughs> uh, there's a ten- tendency to ignore um, older people, just figure they've got nothing to say and nothing to offer. That's just that person slumped in the corner. Um, but slowly over the course of Bloom, um, Finn comes to appreciate the value and indeed the, the um, extraordinary lives of the people around him. Now, how does a play set in an aged care facility turn into a full-blown musical that ranges from classical to pop to folk rock? Why, why did it have to be a musical? I think nothing um, expresses emotion more powerfully than a musical. There are key moments in in a show where there's just no better way to express what's been um, felt than by singing it. Um, and so I, I connected pretty early on with a, a fabulous composer by the name of Katie Weston, who's 
very experienced in musical theatre, so she was an enormous guide to me to sort of shape the story and work out the key musical moments um, where where we just felt there's no better way for this uh, emotion to be expressed than uh, for people to sing. So did you start writing, finish a first draft of a script and then reach out to her, or was this happening in tandem, this conversation with her? It was pretty much in tandem, to be honest. I, I obviously had the broad idea for the story and a bunch of characters, too many characters, and so we, we would just work our way song by song, really. I think there's, a, there's an old rule I was told with when writing a musical, never start with the opening song because apparently that's that's the wrong approach. So we skipped that, said, let's assume the show started. What would be the key moments that we would try and target? And then we would, uh, I would send Katie the lyrics and sometimes a day later, sometimes a month later, it just depended on where she was at creatively. She'd just send me back an MP3 of her at the piano uh, doing a demo of the most extraordinary songs. It was just magic to hear these lyrics turned into, uh, into songs. I read an interview with her where she said, which you've alluded to already, that there was a lot of characters and mm. there were a lot of songs yeah. in your brain mm. uh, and she had to kind of sit you down and say, now not every person has a full-blown solo mm. and not everyone deserves a song. Yes. Where you landed, can you see now, yeah, that makes sense and maybe a 40 ballad way mm. would have been... Difficult. A stretch, I think, would be the word. Abs- absolutely. No, it made absolute sense to whittle it down. And again, I think that's the process really of any project I've worked on, film or TV series. You, you write long, you write it, you put everything down on the page, and then it's really a process of um, of uh, sort of chipping away at it. There's that old analogy someone once asked the sculptor, how do you how do you sculpt an elephant? And uh, they said, well, you get a bit of stone and you remove everything that doesn't look like an elephant. And I guess that's kind of the way you we chipped our way towards uh, the final script of some of the characters that aren't Finn, can you talk about some that maybe have a special place in your heart or that you thought were particularly funny or that you love? Because one of the people I want to talk about is the Mrs. McIntyre character. And there was an excellent description of the way she's played by an editor at Arts Hub who said that she's kind of a flamboyant cousin of Nurse Ratchet or maybe once removed from Miss Trunchbull. I'd love to hear a little bit about Anne Edmonds who plays Mrs. McIntyre and then a couple of the other sure. very... Uh, charismatic characters in your play. Absolutely. Well, well Anne, Anne is just a joy to watch as as um, Mrs. McIntyre, the the owner of the Pine Grove Nursing Home. And I know Anne through, uh, we've worked together on Have You Been Paying Attention, the quiz show I, I host. And I remember approaching her about a year ago and she she looked genuinely baffled um, because I, I knew she was musical, but she's never done a musical before. Uh, but she said, yep, and agreed to it, and about I think we had about five or six week rehearsal period, and I think on day one she genuinely had this sort of uh, sense of what am I doing here? She was in a room full of seasoned musical theatre veterans, and she just felt so out of her depth. And God, she she just took the role and has brought it alive. Even her, the wig she's chosen is perfect. Her her high heels are part of the character. And it was really important that she was a believable character because, yes, Mrs. McIntyre's the villain of the piece, but it's, Bloom's a very realistic show, so we, we couldn't afford to have a, a comic book stash-twirling villain. Uh, it, it needed to be a believable, rounded character, and Anne has brought that to the character, and she's just she's just a joy to watch every night, let loose. She's got a couple of big show-stopping numbers, and it just brings that house down. So Anne is, I'm so pleased and, and, and proud of the work Anne's done. A couple of the other characters, Evelyn Crape plays Rose, the first resident we we meet. Extraordinary actress. I, I, I won't uh, give her age because I don't know it, but let's just say somewhere north of 
70. And Evelyn is just extraordinary. And, and again, she just takes people on the journey of this uh, uh, old lady who finds herself forced into into uh, aged care and not wanting to be there. And she's just the heart and soul of the show. Uh, Frankie J. Holden. Now, very yeah. very older listeners will remember Frankie was a, a lead singer of a group called Old 55 back in the 70s, I think. A genuine, you know, a hit group. Um, and Frankie's just so mischievous. He says he's channeling his his own father in playing the role of Doug, one of the more curmudgeonly residents. So uh, every again, every nursing home needs a curmudgeon. It's do. not many, <laughs> and a politically incorrect one at that too. Over a certain age, you're allowed to say things that most of us go, "Oh, Dad, you don't say that." Um, so uh, yeah, Frankie's great. Look, the the, the entire cast are, are just extraordinary. Was there anyone that you particularly enjoyed writing and seeing come to life that was maybe? Unexpected once you saw an actor actually take the words off the page and put them on stage. Oh, look, I, I think they've all brought life to their characters. I, I've loved um, uh, Sloane Sedera, who plays Finn, the, the the young boy who finds himself forced into the into the nursing home, has ju- just been a, such a joy to watch as well. And I think it's um, uh, Sloane's first big musical theatre role too. So there's, it's a wonderful mix in the cast because there's genuine newbies who've never done this mm-hmm. sort of uh, stuff before, surrounded by all our residents, our musical theatre veterans. And, and truly an ensemble. This is mm-hmm. not a musical at least from all the kind of raving critical reviews that I have read where you have a few protagonists and then a few kind of Mm. side players. It seems like it is truly at its best when the entire group is together. You're absolutely right. It is an ensemble comedy. Our, our director, Dean Bryant, described it early on. He said it's a workplace comedy. And I, yeah, he's absolutely right. It's, it would be like a um, if it was a sitcom, it would be set in an office. This, the office happens to be an aged care home and everybody gets their, uh, their own moment to shine. Now, you've had your own experiences with aged care. You have a parent who went into a nursing home and your mm-hmm. parents-in-law as well. How much did that play into, into Bloom? And are any of the characters that we see on stage people that you came across in your travels there? Uh, look, the, my, my experience uh, being around aged care very much informed Bloom and got, sort of inspired it too because I realised how important um, the people who work in aged care are to, you know, our loved one's lives. So good carer is the difference between dad having a great day and a shit day. And it, r- it really came down to that. And to our shame, we, we've realised over the recent years um, that the people who work in aged care are underpaid, overworked and, worst of all, undervalued. Um, hopefully that's turning around a little, but I'm, I'm hoping Bloom, without getting too preachy, Bloom can shine a light on that inequity. So, no, very much my experience of visiting relatives in, in aged care really informed the writing. There's one character um, in Bloom, Betty, who's a, um, well, well, She's a kleptomaniac, and that was that was genuinely at my father-in-law's nursing home. There was a woman there, different name, who literally every day they had to go into a room and retrieve residents' objects. She just how they did it. She was so quick, so good, but um, she was she was amazing. So I was able to whack her into bloom. You said that you didn't set out to write, you know, a scathing indictment of the system, but of course this has come off the back of the COVID years when some really horrible accounts came out of these facilities. There was also the Royal Commission more distressing stories about, you know, neglect and abuse. And as you said, on the other side of that, the kind of undervalued nature of these carers and how hard they work and the underpay. This is a somewhat joyous musical. Yep. So how did you balance that, you know, this kind of, this thing happening in the real world, which has been quite serious and in some ways grim, but then this kind of joyous outlook 
in, in bloom. I embrace that challenge of, of balancing those those two poles. And I think humour is, is the perfect way to do it. Uh, you make people laugh and think at the same time. You're not you're not trivialising the situation, but you're celebrating its its finer moments. And and I set myself out as a mantra when I started to write Bloom. One thing I said I promised I would not do is make the older people, the residents, the butt of the joke. Because all too often in films or TV or whatever, when there's old people, they are really just the punchline. Uh, push to the back and let let the let the young people take take the spotlight. And I really hope I've I've lived true to that goal. How involved were you in lighting, costume? You've obviously got incredible lighting designers, costume designers and set designers. Did you get any choice or say? I would, what well, it like? I would argue I got, I got support. The Melbourne Theatre Company is so good at this stuff. The first step was they uh, gave us Dean Bryant, and Dean, Dean's an extraordinary director of, well, theatre, but musical theatre in particular. He directed Fun Home last year, which was just such a wonderful show. Um, so he's so experienced, and uh, he was able to take it from there. So all those key other people you, you mentioned, uh, lighting, sound design, uh, sets, costumes, they're still... The costumes are just stunning. I'm happy to take credit for them, but uh, that would be false. There are other people who did all that work. And you said it in a way, it's quite a realistic uh, reflection of these facilities. So this is not a lavish or opulent set. This mm. is quite pared back. It, it looks exactly like you would find a aged care facility in this country. Absolutely. So again, a, a challenge because musicals, you're expecting it to be ballrooms and palaces and castles and, and fantasy. Uh, but the entire show, apart from one scene, is set inside the walls, the, the ever-closing walls of the Pine Grove aged care facility. Thank you so much for joining us today. Bloom is on at the Arts Centre until the 19th of August. Grab your tickets now. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore mel. I'll be back again on Friday, same time, same place. Chat then. Listener.